This is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message. And you're like, I want to go on this adventure. I want to go on this 21 days of adventure. Uh, comment, hope. And let's go on a 14-day adventure together over the, over, the next, uh, over the next two weeks headed into Easter. And that's what the series that we are in um, is called the, the, the 21 Days of Hope. I want to share a story with you first before we actually, this is not uh, uh, the message. Also, just for those who are in the crowd, sorry, because I think Seth just went over this. Um, if uh, we have a kids carnival that we're going to do at Ashley Pond on Sunday morning, and we are going to be doing things this week to get ready for that, asking for volunteers and different things. Some of you guys have already signed up to say, hey, we're, I can help with that. Um, some of you, we, we have ways to do candy, so you're going to see things this week in the emails and announcements. Basically, we have like a registry on Amazon, and you can just say, okay, we need two bags of this and two bags of that. If you want to buy one, you send it right to Seth's house and it's, it's done. If you already bought it, we'll, you can bring it here next week, or we'll have drop-off places and that sort of stuff. Um, but it's kind of like an all-hands-on-deck type experience. So if you have even just an hour of time, I'm telling you it's going to go a long way uh, this Easter. I'm excited. I don't know what to expect, other than I'm excited about, hey, we're going to be in downtown central Los Alamos proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the resurrection, proclaiming the good news of Jesus in the middle of our town, and on Easter morning, and I'm pumped because I think he's going to save lives. I think he's going to. I think he's going to call some people home, and so um, that's what I'm praying for. Let me ask this question: um, How many of you have ever made the uh, the news? Have you ever made the news, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, police blotter news," or or like an article or whatever? Um, I had a, a unique experience this week. If you Online, you can answer that question. Have you ever made the news? Maybe it was not a newspaper. Maybe you made the news like on a uh, on TV. Um, I actually made the the newspaper this week, and I, I happened to be on Monday uh, driving through town at sunrise, and my whole rearview mirror just lit up. And I was right by Ashley Pond. I said, "I got to stop and I got to look at this." And I took a look at it, and I I posted a picture. And then I sent it to Carol Clark that said, hey, I got this picture, and I know they kind of do random pictures or anything like that. Lo and behold, I opened my, my mailbox on Thursday, and here's my photo front and, center, front and center on the paper. I was shocked. It made my day. Now, can I, can I, can I tell you guys a little secret? This kind of goes to last week when we were talking about the 21 days. This is filtered. I, I, filtered, I filtered this image, all right? So this was, well, here's, here's kind of my, my take on it. It, was, it looked like that. My camera didn't capture it like I saw it, and so I, I didn't adjust it much, but just a little bit, it was filtered. We talked about, if you're like jumping on, you're like, what is he even talking about? Last week we talked about filters and Instagram and how we like to not show the messy parts of our story. And in this 21 Days of Hope during the message series, we're kind of looking at the messy side of biblical characters. And we looked at Noah last week, but you go through Abraham, you go through Jacob. He, he was a deceiver. That's the name Israel. The, the, the country of Israel is named after Jacob. This guy was shady if you look at how he dealt with things. But yet these are patriarchs of our faith, models of faith, despite their flaws. And so in the 21 days of hope, and kind of where we are headed as a church in these next few weeks, I, wanna, I, I want you to jump on board because the challenge is going to come to be where can we and how can we share our story. In the coming days, just a little preview for the emails and challenges and things like that, it's going to challenge you to share your story. And, and are we going to share the good parts? Are we going to share the messy parts? And I would, I would venture to say a lot of us would be like, ah, I, mm, I'll just share the, the good parts. But I would say people connect with the messy parts. They relate to them, and, and it takes some vulnerability. Well, 
um, to give you a little bit of inspiration, to give you a little bit of like, well, how would I do that? Or what might that look like? Um, well, I got one of our, our own. Mr. Austin Cox has created a video for us, and he's going to share with you both online and it'll be on video here in a second. And then afterwards, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask him a few questions. So let's go ahead. Let's, let's play that online in, uh, in, in the house. Hey, everyone. My name's Austin. Today, I'd love to share my story with you and also tell you about how God truly saved my life from addiction. So I guess it all starts, at least, my alcohol and drug addiction. When I was about 12 years old, that's when I first picked up a drink. I thought it was harmless back then, but it truly was not harmless. And then by the next year, when I was 13, I was smoking marijuana. And then by high school, I had done a lot of other drugs. Sophomore year in high school, I had a bad breakup with my girlfriend at the time. And so I resorted to coping by just um, drinking all of the time. And I, that's really when I became like a really bad alcoholic when I was around like 16. 21 is when I finally went to rehab for drinking alcohol. About two months after I got out of rehab, that was actually the longest time I had been sober since I was like around 13 or 14. And then um, I relapsed again after being sober for two months. And fast forward a few years, and I think I was about 22, and that's the first time I tried methamphetamine. And the first time I tried it, I was instantly addicted. And that's all I could think about was just getting more of it and just staying high so I wouldn't have to feel all the feelings I was trying to escape from. I hated the control it had over me and I just didn't know what to do because I felt like there was no escaping it. During this time also I was very disconnected from God. I didn't even know if I believed in God anymore because I was blaming him for my addiction. If there was a God, why would he you know, let me be addicted like this. I was really behaving in a selfish and warped state of mind. And so this continued me being mad at God if there was one. And I hadn't been praying. I had never truly known God my entire life. Um, I had never went to church at all my whole life. I'd never picked up the Bible and read it my whole life. And so I wasn't really familiar with God. I just had a sense that there's something more than us, but I just didn't buy the whole religion God at the time because, like I said, my mind was very warped and I was like in a complete crazy state of mind. And then for some reason, one day, all of a sudden, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I dropped down to my knees and I started praying to God. Why I did this, I really have no idea because I had never really prayed before hardly. And I just begged God and I asked him to please free me from this addiction, to free me from the hell I was living in. And it was crazy that I'd cry out to God when I really was so disconnected with him. But the really miraculous thing happened a few days later when uh, I was arrested and put into jail. And all the guards would always tell me that they'd never seen anybody so happy to be in jail before. And I told them, well, you don't understand. God truly saved my life. Like, I 100% believe that God saved my life. And so I would always think that. I would tell everybody that from the first day I got locked up in jail, I believe that God saved my life. And going through jail and being able to have access to Bible studies and also other things that taught me about God really helped me build a strong relationship with him and a strong foundation throughout the time I was there. So I always thought that he saved me and then I had like a year to really get to know him and then try to model my life after Jesus and just my thoughts and my actions too. 
So then I finally got out of jail after learning all of this about God. And uh, Jesus has been with me the whole time through there, holding my hand. So then I got out and I got to go to freedom. And that was like the best day of my life. One of the best days for sure. Because I actually had like a community of people that were like, you know, good people. And they loved God like me. And just going through this journey of being with Freedom Church and just listening to Pastor Mike and all he has to teach and listening to each one of you has really changed my life for the better. And I feel like I am definitely a new creation in Christ. And I thank God every day for truly saving my life. Welcome, Austin. Come on up, bud. There's your mic microphone right there. Uh, Austin, thank you uh, for sharing your story. One more time, let's just give him a, a round of applause. And, for... and if you're online uh, watching the two, um, let, them, let them know, let them know. Um, Austin, I, I want to say thank you for, for sharing that. Very, very vulnerable. Um, not, not the easiest things to talk about. And as we said, it's like, okay, I got, I, there's, great, there's great stuff here. But at the same time, a lot of messy, a lot of dark places to go. Uh, share with us, like, what was uh, some of the mental obstacles or hurdles, uh, gymnastics that you had to go through just to kind of get that out? Well, first of all, I'd say probably the procrastination. <laughs> and <laughs> that, that's because, I guess, just fear of being judged or being vulnerable to a large group of people. Um, also worrying, I guess not trusting God and just having fear. And then one day I just decided, you know, you just got to do it and not like what's uh, worrying going to do? It's not going to do me any good. So just doing it is going to yeah. be a lot better. Well, and we had talked about uh, for quite a while, just I, I'm curious. I love to hear people's stories. Jan, you shared yours in Connect Group yesterday, and I hadn't heard any of that. And so we, I believe we all have stories. It's like, I want, there's, more, there's more to your story. Um, and, and so I wanted to hear that. You're like, yeah, I, I'm gonna, I need to share my story. I want to do it. We talked about it for a while. And I'm, I'm grateful that you did. And in many ways for us as a church, you've led the way because that's where we're headed is like, how can you share your story? Now, that was about five minutes, six minutes long. Sometimes it depends on the circumstance or the people who you're with. You may have only have 30 seconds of that story, but it's so important to know what are the moments and what are the pieces of that. And so I just want to say thank you uh, once again for um, sharing that. At the same time, I'll give you one little opportunity if you want to encourage someone who might be like, I don't, should I share my story? I don't know. Like, what, what would you tell them? Um, I definitely tell them, this is coming from somebody that's really been like shy my whole life and really introverted. So, you know, if I could do it, you could definitely do it because, yeah. So I definitely encourage you because it is real encouraging to have other people do it too. And so you just got to do it. Don't worry about it. Don't feel like people are going to judge you or anything like that. You just got to do it and it will be good if you do. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Austin, thank you, man. Let's give him one more. Thanks, everybody. Um, Love you guys. <laughs> thank you, Austin. All right. So I, I know, I know, I can sense it because I can, I can almost feel it through the online and the comments, too. Uh, d let's just get this out of the way. You, when it comes to sharing your story right now, you're like, say this with me. I can't. I can't. Because, and then I don't know how you want to fill in that blank, but you have some sort of reason as to, I can't share my story because I don't have a drug addiction story. I don't have something that is like, oh, well, God really saved me from that. And so you say, I can't because I, I got a, a, I don't know, not a, not a, some tragic thing that happened. Or maybe you're like, no, I can't because I do have a, 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 an addiction story and it's dark and it's hard and I can't go down uh, that path. I can't uh, because um, I'm afraid of being rejected. I can't because 
I don't know what you fill that in with, all right? Now, I want you to say this with me. Say, I can, I can. Because, because, and then fill in the exact same thing, all right? Because that's the exact reason why you should and why you absolutely need to share your story. I, I, I can't film myself on video and share it and post it on social media because that's, that's too risky. And I, I, I'm, I can't because I'm not even a social media person. Mike, I can't because I'm not a technology person. Flip it. I can because I'm not a social media person and that's even more of a reason as to why I can't. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too whatever. That is your reason as to why you can't. God loves to take your limiting belief and say, that's exactly why I want to use that. Because you shouldn't be able to, but I will. And so for you, as we go in this week, I want to coach you this week online talking about how do we share our stories? How do we tell a better story? You have a story and it matters tremendously to God. And I would say whatever it is that you're doing with it, if you're one of those people, and I knew this a lot working with uh, teenagers, like I don't have some crazy, wild, tragic story to where God redeemed me from. It was kind of normal. And I'd say, awesome. And you, we need to hear those stories because there's somebody else who, who is struggling with that same thing. Or maybe it's depression or something else. When you share your story, you would be so surprised about, hey, the person sitting next to me is struggling with the same thing. I'm in a parenting teen connect group at Freedom Church. We do things online right now. And one, uh, someone brought up an issue this week in the group saying, I'm struggling with this. And wouldn't you know, about three or four other families in there said, my, my teen exactly. My teen's dealing with that too. My teen's dealing with that too. And it's because someone spoke up and said, this is my struggle. This is my issue. This is where I need help. And I think it's beautiful. Our, our, our kind of theme verse uh, has been in Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, or verse 1. And it says this. It says, faith, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we see. And we talked about that word hope. And tonight I, wanna, I kind of want to hit, hit a little bit on that word reality. And for, in some of yours, it's, it's the foundation. It's the confidence. It's the substance that we have. And this series is looking at the, the reality. The realities in our life. And they are not all rainbows and unicorns. But yet these people are massive models in faith. All right. So as we get ready to jump into our message, I got a question for you. This is for those who are online. But in the room, uh, you can go ahead. Feel free to shout it out. And I'll just, I'll just give you a little bit of reality. Tonight, I'm not feeling it. Like there's just some nights you're just not feeling it. But I'm... It's not about me, right? I, so if you want to just shout me down or let's have some fun and create some energy in the room, that's going to help me. I'm, I'm like, for myself, I'm like, I'm not feeling it, but we're going to work through this. And I believe God has a message. I, I believe this is a two-way communication thing, even though I'm doing most of the talking. Please talk back to me. All right, so tonight, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, and that's not every night, but tonight, I'm, I don't know why I am. So I want to know, favorite sandwich. What is your favorite sandwich? Maybe it's a sandwich at a restaurant or whatever. So in the comments, go ahead. Name your favorite sandwich and then let chicken me. Salad. Chicken salad. Chicken salad, okay. Cheese Philly cheesesteak, all right, all right. What else? BLT. Anyone got a, I need a, like a recommendation for a restaurant here in town or anything like that? Like, I like the chicken, uh, avocado chicken sandwich at the Blue Windows, not bad. Um, anybody else? All right, so I'm making right now, I'm a little bit hungry too. Um, one of my favorites is uh, just a good old classic peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Um, oftentimes, when I worked at the lab, I would... Um, um, I, I would make my own, own sandwiches or make my own lunches 
And at the lab, my favorite office, now you may not believe this, but my, my, my favorite office at the lab was one where I worked in this tiny little basement all by myself. And for like nine hours, I'd work all day and not see anyone for nine hours. And it was, it was, um, it was glorious. And so I would have my peanut butter and jelly. I would work at the lab and just enjoy it. Now, has anyone ever tried this? I did this in elementary school where um, did you ever try putting like Doritos uh, inside, Jan, did you do that? Yeah? You still do? Okay, yeah, so there's, uh, sometimes there's some alterations um, to our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, so um, I'm, I'm going to see what people are saying here. Croissant chicken salad, Reuben from Pig and Fig, pesto chicken, pesto turkey, grilled cheese, um, I don't, like, I don't know if a hamburger would be considered a sandwich. Best burger in town, pig and fig. It is amazing if you, if you haven't had it. All right, so I'm going to go ahead. I'm just, I'm a little bit hungry, but I'm going to go ahead and, and try my peanut butter and jelly. A bite of that. That's good. I'm going to need a drink here, too. Or something. Now, when I would come home after working for a whole day, Good. This one good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's kind of gross that I'm doing this. But that's how I would work. And then I'd go home. And my wife, sorry, now I, I do need a water. Sorry, that is really not part of the part of the illustration. I'm choking on my peanut butter and jelly. I'm about to die in front of you guys. Woo, I can breathe now. <laughs> All right. I would go home and after working this day, I'm so happy. And I come to see Rita and she would stop me. And she would say, How long has that been on your face? And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And she's like, you got peanut butter on, on, your, on your face. I'm like, are you kidding? What? And so I look, and like, sure enough, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got peanut butter all over my face. I'm like, it's probably been there since lunchtime. And she's like, don't you have any friends? And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I just, I'm not seeing anyone at work. Sometimes, thank you, Rendell, I'll let you go ahead and put it down there so I'm not, I just wipe my face with my hands, um, and I still have peanut butter on my face, too. Thank you, sir. We all have blind spots, kind of looking like Mike Pence in a presidential debate with a fly on our head. We don't know what's going on in our lives. And sometimes we need people to help us a little bit and not being able to know what's going on. I want to talk about burnout tonight. I want to talk about our pace in life and how the pace that we set, we might know that we're burning out, but we don't know that it's the consequences that it's causing on us and, and other people. And I want to talk about one of the, the, the patriarchs in our faith, Moses. Moses is, is someone that you know, hey, uh, you're going to lead the people out of Egypt, out of slavery. Moses, the one we, we know on the movie, you know, you're going to go to Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses, also the one who murdered somebody. Whoops. Big whoops. Big glaring whoops in the Bible. He had several <laughs> flaws, as we see in Scripture, that the, the, the Bible shows the reality of what's going on in his life. 
And tonight I want to look at one where he almost burned himself out and also a lot of the other people around him. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Exodus chapter 18. Exodus chapter 18. And um, we're going to start in verse 23. Moses has, they've left Egypt. They're out of slavery. And so they're kind of on this journey uh, out of slavery to the promised land. Jethro is his father-in-law. And so his in-laws come in town to, to, to visit. And so I want to read, picking up in verse uh, 13. And it says, The next day after the family came, Moses, he took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. So he could have hung out with the family, but Moses, um, he's like a lot of us. It's our Friday off, and what do we do? We go into work. All right, so he's, his family, or maybe it's family, and he's like, you know what? <laughs> I got to work. And so he goes in. They waited before him from morning till evening. And this is kind of describing Moses' workday. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, now he's not doing anything bad, he's doing something for the people. But this is what Jethro says. He says, what are you really accomplishing here? All right, let's just get real. Who has uh, that know-it-all in-law? Don't point to anyone, but do you know, do you have an in-law Brother-in-law, father-in-law, mother-in-law, you're like, everyone's like, can I do this? Do you have a know-it-all in-law? All right. (laughs) All right. So here's Jethro. What are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? Then Moses gives his explanation. He says, because the people stand around you from morning, or he says, because the people come to me. They come to get a ruling from God. When the disputes arise, they come to me, and I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees, give them his instructions. And then he says, this is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. So Jethro is like, this isn't good. He's like, oh, snap, all right? Bring your father-in-law to work day has gone bad. All right, this experiment was not good. Let's end it because Jethro's like laying the smack down. He's judging what's going on here. He says, you're going to wear yourself out and the people too. Your burnout affects more than just you. This job's too heavy of a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me. Could you imagine how hard, I don't know their relationship, (laughs) But he's just, he's just laying it out here. He says, listen, let me give you a word of advice. May the God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees. Give them the instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. But select from all the people, some people, some capable people, honest uh, men who fear God and hate tribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. They should always be available to solve people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the small matters for themselves. They will help you carry the load, making it e- the task easier for you. When you break those words down, he's basically saying it's like taking cargo off the ship. We got to get this ship a little bit lighter for you and for the others. And if you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you'll be able to endure the pressures and all these people will go home in peace. I want you to go home in peace. I want to talk about the pace of peace tonight. Because most of us, we're on the pace to burnout. If we're not already there, we're on, we're on that path in the direction. I want to talk about the pace to peace. I saw um, a, a post this week. And I kind of related to it. I think you might too. I want to go ahead and post, uh, put, it, put it up there. Um, it says, working on your regular job while working on your own personal career, while working on yourself, while working out, while working on your relationship, while working on your friendships, while working on your personal goals, while trying to accommodate everyone, while trying to sleep. Anybody relate? Anybody. The path to burnout. We're at an unsustainable pace. And the pandemic 
I believe, has only just put a microphone or a microscope, a magnifying glass on those issues that were already there. It just accelerated it about to a hundred. I'll give you an example. For me, is I, I, I didn't I knew I had anxiety, but the pandemic really showed me how much it had, and the way it would manifest itself was some some worry and stuff like that. But a lot of the way it would manifest itself is doing stuff. Well, I just you know we gotta we gotta do something. I gotta do something. I'm a I'm a three on the enneagram, which is I, I I give me a list and I'll knock it out and I'll go and I'll do stuff. And so doing things, accomplishing something, even though I didn't know what to do, made me feel good, but it caused a lot of work for a lot of other people and maybe a lot of stress and tension too. It was just it wasn't good. And then you, you have a day of anxiety that just hits you heavy, and you're like, I'm done. I can't, I can't move. Burn it, burning out. A lot of us, we, you know, I would say, I, well, I wasn't overworked. It wasn't a workload thing that was burning me out. I wasn't working 80 hours a week or anything like that. But the anxiety was driving me to do things and worry about things and put me in a position to burn out. So burnout is not just working 60 hours a week. It, it could be a workload. It could be people-pleasing. You're burned out because you're saying yes to everyone, trying to make everyone happy and making no one happy at the same time. So you're going to have to do some deep digging tonight to figure out what is it that's causing you to be on the path to burnout. Because I want you on the path to peace. For Moses in this situation, he needed to delegate. I mean, hey, be a, we can get this, right? You're a leader. Delegate. All right? For some of us, maybe that's it. But for a lot of us, it might be something else. I, I, want, I want God to get after your insecurities. I, I think if you get to the root of this, why are you doing all the things that you're doing that are leading to burnout? The truth in that, the reality in that might be like, oh man, you're going you're gonna to hit on some insecurities here. You're, you're going to hit on some deep wounds. I'm doing all the things because I'm trying to gain the approval of my dad because I never got it when I was a kid. Like that's some deep stuff that we have to work through here. But then we realize that's why I'm working so hard and driving myself is because I want success. I want these things. You're going to have to figure that out. And for most of us, even though we've slowed down in the pandemic and things shut down, we're more tired and burned out than we've ever been. And I get it. We're, we've, we've had a bunch of change. We've had a lot of extra stuff and uncertainty thrown on it, but all of that, again, has just exposed and shown a light on where you are already headed in that direction. And newsflash, this is not the last crisis you're ever going to face. Crisis will expose what's going on underneath. The pressure will expose what's going on underneath. So, I want to go through four things. I want to go through uh, the acronym PACE, P-A-C-E. So if you're in with me uh, tonight on the comments or if you're taking notes, write this down. P is people. Number one, people. How many of you know someone, show of hands, how many of you, no pointing, know someone who talks too much? All right. How many of you know someone who's lazy? Don't point to your teenager. All right. Um, how many of you know someone who's angry? Don't point to your parents, teenagers. All right. Um, how many of you know somebody who is stingy? Okay. <laughs> how many of you know someone who's judgmental? All right. All right. I say all that kind of like the peanut butter. We can see the, the, the peanut butter on other people's faces. We can, we can see it and recognize it and pick it up. Having the right people can help bring the right perspective in our lives. Like, you know this was a bad situation for Moses if his father-in-law can see it and his father-in-law was right. Like he said, this is not good. And you're like, oh, man, he's, he's right here. Having the right person brought the right perspective. He was absolutely right. Moses was busy solving other people's problems, was he not? 
but he could not recognize the one that was happening right in front of him in his own life. This is why we got to get in a connect group. This is why you got to get surrounded with people in your church family who can help you in this race, in this, this run-to-win race that we're doing, in this life that we're calling and living together and taking next steps, who, who it takes time to build those relationships, but, but Jethro was there day, you know, day two, and it's like, this ain't good. We got to have the right people. You got to get yourself surrounded with the right people. And I know for some of you, you're already like, I can't get in a connect group because fill in the blank. It didn't work before. I tried that before. I poured a lot into it. I didn't really get anything out of it. Have you ever heard that? You know, I went to that church. I, just, I stopped going because I, I wasn't getting fed anymore. And I get that, but we're totally missing the perspective. Spiritually speaking, if you want to get fed, you go feed people. I, if I want to come into a church or to a connect group with a consumer mentality, hey, you feed me in this group. I need this group to be about me and help me with my needs. You're going to end up getting burned. But if you flip that mindset to say, you know what, I, this isn't about what I can get out of it. I actually, I, I'm going to go and I'm going to love people. I'm going to share my story. I'm going to be vulnerable. And what you find out is, the more you give, oh man, you get blessed tenfold. That's why the leaders always grow more in a group. Because they're trying to figure out, how can I help people? I want to challenge you, whether it's an online group. We don't have any in-person groups right now. We have a Zoom group. We have messenger groups. We have a hiking group. Seth, you're going hiking this week, right? I want to challenge you. Jump in a group. There you go. It's in the comments. But start connecting with people. People who are on this same spiritual journey path with you is so, so vital and important. You may be one conversation away, one conversation away from, from that addiction, being free from that addiction. You might be one conversation away from, you know what, I finally have some purpose in my life. I finally, you know, I've been lonely and trying to create some relationships. You might be one conversation away from healing. People. People bring the right perspective. Jethro brought it in for, for, for Moses. And this leads to the second thing, which is admit. A is for admit. Admit what? Admit I don't know it all. Admitting truth. Truth. Admitting truth hurts. At first, a lot of times, admitting truth, it might be freeing, but it is also like, Man, I, it's, I'm jacked up. This situation is not good. But eventually the truth will set you free. And it will lead you on the right path. Some of us, were on the path to burnout because we, we won't admit the truth that's going on in our lives. Mike, if I don't, then if I don't work, if I don't... If I don't uh, have this job with this salary, or this is what our teenagers, if I don't take four AP classes this semester, then I won't get into what? And we lump all these things together, and I want to know what is it for you tonight? What, it, what is it, this thing that we can barely define? Why you got to go at the pace that you're going, why? What is it? Can you define it for me tonight? Because we will be a slave to it. If I don't do this, then I won't be successful. If I won't do this, I, I won't get the promotion. If I won't do this, then my team, uh, my project, my boss. What, what is it for you tonight? The truth for a lot of us is, it is our identity. Why do you go to work all the time? Because without it, I don't know who I am. I tell you, I hit right at our insecurities. That's what I'm going after. It's easier at work. It's easier at work because I, they like me at work. 
I get, I get praised at work. They say good job at work. I get, I get paid well at work. I go home. I don't know how to handle what's going on at home. That's, that, that is, I don't know how to, I don't, I don't have the answers. I don't have the solution. I can't solve it. Yeah. That's where the good stuff's at. That's where you start to grow. And we, but we will avoid that. Home is like a mirror. Marriage is like a mirror. And sometimes we don't like what we see. Kids, parenting is like a mirror. You know because you're like, who taught that kid to run around like that and say those things? Like, whose kid is that? That's my kid, and it's a little me running around. That's why we're so frustrated with them. Can you admit? Can you, can you admit that God's not impressed with your PhDs? He's not. Can you, can you admit in 2,000 years from now, no, one, no one's going to know your name? Like, wow, thanks, Mike. I'm just joining Freedom Church for the first time. So encouraging, right? That's kind of the point. It's, it's called humility, to understand a right perspective on what's going on here. Why are you striving for the things that you're striving for? And is it the number one priority? Should it be the things that we're striving after? Moses spent more time with God than you did. And he could admit that he was wrong. He could admit that his work situation was jacked up. And he spent more time with God than you. He spent more time. And he's like, you know what, you're right. I got to make some changes at work. The pace that we're on. C, C, (laughs) oh man. I was like, what am I going to put in for C here? And then God showed me like six things. I'm like, well, I can't pick one, God. He goes, no, talk about all six. All right, so buckle up. Here we go. He says, you're going to wear yourselves out. And the other people too. This job's too heavy of a burden for you to handle all by yourselves. Oh, I forgot something, by the way. Humility will bring focus. I'm going to go back. Let me go back to the admit. Humility. It takes humility to admit maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know all the things. That'll bring focus. It'll bring clear vision. It'll bring freedom. There was a lady who was, she worked in hospice. She worked with like 95-year-olds, 90-year-olds, 100-year-olds. They're kind of in their final days, and she started asking them questions, and she started to notice some themes about them about regrets that they had, and there was basically two that almost came up, and one of them, she said, all her male patients, all her male patients, 95 and above, regretted working so much. They missed childhoods, they missed family things, they missed experiences and moments because they were on the treadmill of work, and if they had to do it over, they realized, I work too much. I'm kind of bashing on work today, and I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm going to give you some hope in that a little bit, hopefully, maybe here in a little bit. But I think a lot of the reason that we're on the pace that we're on and we're at burnout is because we're, we are in a, a produce-consumer culture where you, you are not successful unless you produce something. And that's not necessarily lined up with Scripture. The C, you're going to wear yourselves out, and the people too. This job is too heavy of a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Capacity, C, stands for capacity. Priority determines your capacity. Some of the reason that you're not hearing from God in your life right now, and you're like, man, I just need to hear from God on this, well, you have no room for him. He's a soundbite as you're listening to Caleb on the, work, on the way to work. He, he, he's he's a, a, a quick little a meme or a scripture that I can share or post, but it's not a relationship. And priority determines capacity. And some of us, we are at max capacity, which has led to fatigue. Here's, here's how it goes for me. When I'm at, operating at max capacity, I'm tired. I'm fatigued. Then I'm irritable. When I'm irritable, I start getting frustrated. I can lash out. Then I start to just get indifferent. And eventually what it communicates, whether it's my spouse, my kids, or we're trying to love Los Alamos, 
you have your loved one in, in, in 2021 where we've asked you, just love one person. Like, let's, let's make love Los Alamos practical. Find one person, one family this year, just love on them. But we'll, we'll take our fatigue, our burnout, our irritability, our indifference. That's where it leads to. Just find, well, you know, someone else can love Los Alamos. I'm dealing with me right now. And what that turns out to communicates, I don't care. A big fat, I don't care about what you're doing. I don't care about what you're, I got to deal with me. I can't deal with your issues because I'm burned out right now. Priority determines capacity. I have no capacity for you. I have no room for you because I'm at max capacity. Moses, you're going to burn the people out too, man. It's not just about you. Cease. We, our souls need to cease. We need to rest. No trip, no pill, no drink is going to satisfy your soul. Cowboys fans, no Cowboys Super, Super Bowl championship is going to satisfy your soul. You can go get all the stuff. You'll be happy. You'll enjoy it. But until your soul actually rests with Jesus and takes some time to get your eyes off of work, get your eyes off of your kids, and just get your eyes on Jesus to just say, where am I right now? Where, where are you right now? That might be where, what God is asking you right now. I, I want you to cease so you can see where you're at right now. You got you to stop and, and take some, some time to just spend with God. Cease. Work, 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 work. Six days. Seventh day, rest. Take a Sabbath. Work, 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 work. Rest. Take a Sabbath. God, he can control work and the world just fine while you sit time and take time with him. C stands for control. Ha! Now we're, now we're getting to it. I got to give up control now. This is, a, this is about trust. Slowing down your pace. You're trying to control things. Pride. Hello. We need humility. I'm trying to be God and control all the circumstances and all the things and manipulate them into what I think will work out best for me and my family. I got to give up control. I love how, how Jethro, he tells them this, but then he says, this is an invitation, Moses, to seek God. He says, if God commands you to do this. Here's the advice, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, give control over to God, seek him and let him give control. If he commands you, do it. C stands for, for, for come. <laughs> this totally reminds me of Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, he says, come to me. Come. You don't have to hide. You can just admit it and say, I'm, I'm weary. And in fact, it's a prerequisite. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you, say it with me, rest. Moses, you're carrying too heavy of a burden. It's too much for you and the people. You're going to wear them out and yourself. Jesus says, yeah, come. <laughs> come to me. I'll take care of it. Let me help you with that. And our immediate response is like, no, 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 no. I can't let go. I can't let go. And he's like, no, the, it, that's, that's the way you're going to be free. You're going to have to let go. Trust me. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. I'm humble, gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Which Jesus also said, hey, what's more important? What's more important in this life than your soul? You could gain the whole world and still lose your soul. Last C, all of this points to Jesus on the cross. The cross. That's what we're celebrating in this Easter season. Now, as Christians, we celebrate it every day. It's, we celebrate the cross. We celebrate the resurrection. But we highlight it. There's going to be people who will never come to church, but they are open to an invite. I don't know why on Easter. 
the stats say around 70% are actually open to saying yes if you would just invite. That means if you invited 10 people to join you for Easter, statistically, roughly seven. But I mean, I would even take three, right? You would take three. You'd be like, that would be awesome. They're open. I want to challenge you to invite somebody to Easter this year, be it online or in person, because they are more open at Easter and Christmas to say, okay, I'll go check it out. And we're just going to straight up tell the gospel story and let God do his thing. The cross, John 17, 4 says, Jesus is on the, on, uh, um, he's not on the cross yet. He's praying. But he says, I brought you glory. I brought glory to you here on earth. He's talking to, to, to daddy. <laughs> By completing the work you gave me to do. Now, I have an issue with that. And I'm sure there's some people in those times that had issue with that. He says, I gave you glory by completing the work you gave me to do. And I'm like, ah, time out, Jesus. There was still more people to heal. You're like, you only did three years of ministry, Jesus. Like, we got a long way to go, right? We've got, there's more people to heal. There's more people to get saved. You're not done, Jesus. You haven't completed the work. But he was at Because he knew exactly what the Father had called him to do. You want to go from the, 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 the pace of burnout to the, to the pace of peace? Because it was anything but peaceful circumstances what was taking place. There was still more work to be done. But Jesus was in tune with his Father and he knew this was why I came. The whole reason was the cross in the relationship, and he was prepared to complete that mission, and he had peace. Wouldn't you like peace in your life right now? Wouldn't you like more purpose in your life right now? That only comes from the Father. Truly comes from the Father. Jesus had it. Jesus had it. I'm sorry, <laughs> For show, throwing some shade at your work. Sorry, not sorry. But when you start operating in purpose like this, you see that PhD, it's an opportunity. That PhD was an open door. That, that $100,000 salary that you have, It was given to me so I can be a blessing to others. Now, all of a sudden, that work environment that I'm in, it's a, it's a tool, it's a resource, it's an opportunity. It is a place for me to go and be who God created me to be. It is not about what success is not that people will remember me in 2,000 years. Success is knowing that I honored God with the time that he gave me on these 80 years on this planet. That whatever he gave me, I honored him. And that will turn anything that you have in your life, good or bad, into purpose. Success is knowing, is knowing the one from 2,000 years ago. Did I know Jesus? And did I make him known to other people? Which goes to the last, the E, which stands for eternity. If you want a healthy pace, you got to understand that this 80 years that we have together here, there's eternity. Eternity starts today. The rest of your life starts today. The rest of your life, get this, is Jesus. He is the rest that you need. And we get to spend eternity with him. That's why Jesus says I, this, I, the, the, he, is the, he is the Sabbath rest. If we would just trust in him. You can spend the rest of your life chasing after these things and moving on a pace to burnout. You can spend the rest of your life chasing after moments. But I'm telling you, if you live a life of purpose, 
one that knows, hey, what God has given me is a blessing and a gift and a resource to point other people to him. They're chasing moments right now. Oh, I need this moment. I need this experience. I need this high. I need this in order to make me happy. You know it will never satisfy. And if you're a light to those people around you and you love them in a moment, they're chasing moments, but in a moment, their 80 years just turned into 80 billion years together with Jesus in eternity. That's what our lives should be about. One that is marked with purpose. One that is pointing people to Jesus. Jesus was on the cross with peace. I've completed the mission you gave me to do. That's what I want for you and I. And I, I guess the question I want to ask, because I, I, I dug at some of your insecurities and I dug at, 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 at some, some hard truths. Maybe God pointed something out to you and you're like, ah, I don't like that. And I guess the question I want to ask is, as we, we leave here, says, I want you to go home in peace, right? Let the people go home in peace. But I, the peace that I want for you, are you, are you going to change? Or tomorrow do we just jump back in the grind? Ah, good message. Way to go. Funny, I laughed once. God trying to show me something. Are we, or are we, are, are we actually going to change? Our mission at Freedom Church is to help people take the next step in their relationship with Jesus together. That's the last C is change. This is about you and your relationship with your creator. I, I can't, I, that's not me. I can't, I can't handle Rita's or my kids. Your, this is your life. You got one shot at it. And God has something divinely appointed for you to which you can say, nah, got something better. I go, I think this is a better path, God. I know what you're saying, but nah, that's too hard, too uncomfortable. Or, no, I took a step of faith. Faith. Now go do it. Abraham, Abraham, go to the place that I'll show you. Leave here, leave home, and go to the place I'll show you. And Abraham, by faith, took that step. I know me, and I know you. We like the opposite. No, show me, God, then I'll go. That's not faith. Faith is go and then I'll show. Faith is not based on what you see and your current circumstances. He's going to call you to take a step of faith tonight. He's going to call you to take a step of faith tomorrow because tomorrow, that's when the rubber hits the road, not tonight. You can leave here tonight and say, yep, Mike, I'm going to change. Tomorrow, will you? Tomorrow we'll see. I don't, I honestly, I have no idea what God's speaking to you tonight. I don't know what your next step is. It is so broad on how we are on this pace to burn out. Maybe we need to dig in some things a little bit more. Maybe, I don't, I just don't know. I don't know. I've prayed like crazy to, for God just to reveal something to you, but I've also prayed for your Monday. Would you take that next step? Would you celebrate it? Would you share the stories? Hey, here's where I was successful. Here's where I failed, but I'm still moving forward. I got back up and I'm going forward. That's the kind of stuff that God wants to see moving in your life. And you start living with that, with that purpose, <laughs> that pace, that pace, that pace, that pace will lead to peace. And that's what you want. Moses... He admitted it. You're right, Jethro. I got to change. And I'm assuming he sought God. I got to change. And he did it. And it turned out good for those people in that moment. Do you have peace in your current pace? Do you have peace in your current priorities? And I guess the number one question for some of you tonight is, do you have peace with God? Are you trying to earn it?
The beauty of the, the, the cross, the beauty of the resurrection is that Jesus paid the price for us, for our sins. We're not perfect, we're flawed, we're messy. And he looks at that and he says, I love you anyway. He knows it, he says, I love you anyway. In fact, I will sacrifice my own life for you. I'll do the work, you just receive it like a gift and let's journey for eternity together, starting today. That's it. And you can have peace in your life with God. But I think he wants more than that. He doesn't just save you. He wants to, to send us. And go. All right, let's stand. And... Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster. As well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.